you know, I have a problem with a lot of movies and I might seem like I'm a contrarian and kind of a dick or whatever and very <laughs> judgmental, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'll say it right now. If your movie, whoever you are, is not having any of that special sauce, like literally not even this whole film, but just like the, the prenatal scene and maybe the ending of this film, if you're not kind of bouncing into that level, you know, like tapping into it even, just get out of here. I get don't the know fuck me. out. Get the fuck <laughs> out yeah, of yeah, here. So Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. All right. <clears throat> it's one fucking hour time, everybody. I'm Evan Husney, of course, the show where we have just one fucking hour to talk about one movie. Uh, and we got uh, Tom Fitzgerald here. What's going on, Tom? Hey, just keep on keeping on. <laughs> okay, great. And, um, <laughs> and a brilliant opening performance there from Mr. Marcus Herring. I'm working on my uh, Roseanne theme song. <laughs> oh my god oh is that what that was okay um all right good to be back uh everybody here yeah. for uh, another episode of the show just got back from good old austin texas was at the fantastic fest down there and uh hey guys a lot of people came up to me and say hey i listened to the show so that was nice really? oh, yeah really? that's cool yeah that was cool. So We're gonna have a lot to of do. Awesome. We should do. I, I actually want to do like a live thing from there, maybe next year or something. That'd be cool. Like, yeah, that'd like be, a broadcast, awesome. right? You know, totally. That'd so, be amazing. Yeah. Why not? But it was make cool. Make it happen. I will. <laughs> I, I can make that yes, shit happen. Snap of the fingers. Yeah. Snap of the fingers. Uh, but anyway, it was great just to hear from people who listen to the show and whatnot. So that was really cool and had a great time. Awesome. Yeah, saw some good movies. Had you know saw people I haven't seen in freaking six to ten years. So. Oh, it was shoot. awesome. Yeah, it was great. But anyway, now it was like it's like post-pandemic, time. right? That probably oh. was. Man, so. it was it was the pandemic and just you know not being in Austin in years and so. But it was it was great yeah, to see everybody. Yeah. So if you came up to me and we talked about it, you know who you are. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, that was awesome to hear some one fucking hour love uh, from the folks Sweet. down there. Yeah. Cool. Um, but now it's time to get into another episode here, guys. Episode forty-one. Our first for foray into the foreign language category. <laughs> it only took us a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really did. And as and we joked last week, that it's a we only do foreign films that are set in America. Right. You know? <laughs> that's right. how so, uh, that's how landlocked we are here. It's it's so hard because it it really requires all your focus. You actually have to watch the movie. You can't like oh, uh, look God. away, do something else. Fuck, you know, fuck subtitles. Oh. Yeah. You can't phone that shit in, bro. Um, so uh, all right, but you know this is a banger to start with, if I may say. This is a a oh, major yeah. one. Can't think of a better one uh, to 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 start it off with, uh, other than Werner Herzog's uh, masterpiece, uh, Strozek. So, guys, it's time to start the clock. Here, Here we go. go. Not right. enough minutes for this one, but let's give it a shot. Okay, here we go. All right, first, a uh, little, little background on the film or just uh, what the uh, synopsis here is. 
Werner Herzog's 1977 film Strozek uh, is the type of masterpiece that opens with a fart being set on fire and ends with a dancing chicken. Okay. It's also uh, a film that plays really in two acts. Okay. The first act, of course, tells the semi-autobiographical story of Bruno S., a brilliant non-actor we'll be discussing at length on this episode, of course. And he plays a mentally impaired street musician released from prison who meets uh, a down-on-her-luck prostitute uh, named Ava, only to have his life made impossible by abuse from her angry-ass pimps. The second act plays out in rural Wisconsin, where Bruno and uh, Ava flee with their uh, landlord-slash-neighbor Shites. (laughs) Their um, hopes for a free and prosperous life slowly disintegrate as the new world reveals itself to be just about as miserable, if not worse, as the old one. So that is the film. Um, And Tom, I'm going to toss it off to you here right off the top because we were mentioning this before we started recording that, you know, this film, Strozak kind of does fit. It's very distinct among his filmography at this time, you know, and where he is in the late 70s. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah, just uh, I remember I, I, I was late to seeing this one. Like I saw all the others over the years. And then I got around to it like maybe less than 10 years ago. Uh, I was like, I should watch Stroisik, you know, like, let's, you know, maybe it's okay, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I didn't know. But um, because the others had such, you know, huge reputations. And of course, his work with Klaus Kinski and Fitzcarraldo, Aguirre, but then even the other period pieces, Heart of Glass, Mm. and just, uh, and of course, Nosferatu. Like, what I mean is, um, unlike all those films, Stroisik is uh, some rare things. It's it's set contemporary. It's It's contemporarily set. Oh, right, so, yeah. um, you know, it's it's 1978 in, in the reality of a, a Herzog film. And you weren't used to that, you know, because even the other Bruno S. film is set, you know, in the past with uh, that character. Um, and, and then it goes way back, you know, Aguirre and like I said, Heart of Glass. And, you know, so it's it's I guess what I'm saying is it really distinguishes itself. And it actually relates more closely to his documentary shorts that he had been making more and more over the through the 70s. Because you know, obviously, those are contemporary settings as well, and so um, that that struck me immediately. And then, of course, the America, which is um, incredibly 1978, you know, like mm-hmm. incredibly contemporary, you know, uh, like uh, Hostess cupcakes and uh, you know, football on the TV. You know, it's like like, <laughs> and, and this is by a man who, like a year or two before, was making these huge films about glass making in medieval Germany and like, you know, with like foggy hillsides. And I mean, I love all that stuff too. I'm just saying that um, cutting through all that is this small film. And I think it's a, it's one of those kind of classic small films by big, big guys. Uh, I can't, but like after hours, maybe is a little bit like that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's Scorsese and and then he makes like a little thing. And so that really uh, took to me. Uh, and also, um, you know, like its charms inside of his, you know, first decade of filmmaking. And then also it is very documentary like, and just to cite an example, um, I might be wrong, but I don't think so that the woman who plays Ava, um, I think she's the only professional actor in the film. Yeah. Everyone from, you know, everyone from Bruno down to like the hunters who talk to the crazy old man on the side of the road. I, I don't think that those guys even knew that they were in a film. <laughs> Which made me think of, Marcus, you like this. Um, it makes me think of how in uh, the Eastbound and Down commentary, they talk about how the little kids of Stevie, uh, the, the actors who play 
uh, Stevie, like they were saying, I don't think they knew they were on a show. Like, I think they were just wandering around and misbehaving in a, in a supermarket and they didn't notice yeah. the cameras. So, so anyway, I'm just saying that I'm pretty sure that those hunters in that one scene where they talk to the old man on the side of the road, I don't think they know what the hell's going on. And they probably never heard of this film and just died not knowing that they're like being seen at con, you know? So anyway, what I'm saying is uh, there's that great documentary element. Of course, it's a constructed narrative film. But um, especially in America, just to have that kind of raw energy uh, is very uh, exciting because it's an infusion of his documentary um, predictions into his command of, of, of you know, feature film. And it's just uh, it's exhilarating. I was blown away when I saw it for the first time. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, totally. Just uh, wasn't used to that. Look, it's, it's unique from him back then. Oh. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, and, and just one thing before I throw it over to you, Marcus, too, is like you mentioned the documentary stuff, you know, <clears throat> you're saying like, yeah, Herzog has these period pieces, these epics, you know, around this time in the 70s. But also he's he's making in between those a lot of these bizarre, grounded, very singular uh, short documentaries that he's kind of interspersing through that. And he also made a film called How Much Wood Would a Woodchuck Chuck, you know, in 1976, which I highly recommend, which I do believe the, 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 the auctioneer in the yeah. end of Strozek is actually featured from that documentary and also into he's, this. Uh, he's like the, uh, the, the champion auctioneer in Woodchuck, that right. doc. Exactly. It's featured in Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just s saying this is kind of there a melding, go. melding of mm -hmm. his doc work into now right. into his narrative work, which is super mm -hmm. fascinating. Um, but anyway, Marcus, we got to talk about Bruno, uh, Bruno S., uh, because uh, obviously he's the breakout star <laughs> of this movie in many ways, mm -hmm. but obviously a fascinating uh, backstory with the man. So take it away. Oh yeah, like in fact, it dovetails right into the documentary thing, which is like I, mm -hmm. I totally agree. It's one of the things that makes this movie so great, and it's also always a through line for like so many of the films that we love here on this podcast is that they have sure. a documentary element, like all, almost all of our favorite ones. Yeah, um, do so. Um, but yeah, this one actually has a connection to the world of docs directly. Um, that there was, what uh, from my understanding is that the way that Herzog discovered. Bruno uh, uh, S, the actor, I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, was that there, uh, there was a documentary from 1970 uh, that was actually, actually a documentary on him. Um, it's about, it's like, a, it's about an hour and 20 minutes long, and it's like, it documents him as a street musician. You can totally see how Herzog just fell enraptured with this uh, human being and needed to have in the film. We have a lot of like, it just it follows him around. You see him street performing. You see him making a lot of intense eye contact with the camera. It's sort of an <laughs> experimental doc that has the documentary itself is really worth seeing. Bruno der Schwarze. Um, it's really worth seeing. It's got elements that feel like uh, sometimes like Antonioni, or sometimes it might feel like a, well, there's a, there's a certain shot that felt like a 2010s like a. Uh, music video to me almost like it was like, like a very hip look uh, so it's, right. there's some really cool stuff in there but um, it basically follows him around and you can see that Herzog lifted so much from that doc you know he was inspired by it you know because um, I guess he saw this doc and he wanted to work with Bruno right so um, uh, he was going to originally cast him in like Wojciech Wojciech oh gosh Yep. And this gets, us, this, this gets us to the title, doesn't it, of the, of the film we're doing then? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right, right. He was going to cast him in it, right? But then um, 
uh, for one or reason or another, it didn't work out. So he, he put Kinski in, in instead, right? But then he felt bad about it, so he wanted to. So he wrote this film for Bruno. It was inspired by him and lifted so many things from his life that you see him play out in this documentary. That he's a street musician. We see him play the, uh, you know, we see him do the accordion thing in that documentary. We see some shots of just the Berlin cityscape and stuff. There's a lot of you can see the direct inspiration for it, but and just things about his character, about how he's like. You know, he was abandoned by his mother and like, you know, he was in correctional institutions and stuff and basically had that, you could, uh, this character that felt like he couldn't like enjoy life, you know, or he yeah. couldn't, he, he found, there wasn't a lot of joy that he found in life, but he was still like, um, found some happiness, you know, with music and stuff. So anyway, it's a very interesting documentary. Um, I see that. One, one, one okay. quick, well, yeah, one, one quick thing on, on Bruno, just researching him before the pod tonight um yeah bruno uh schleinstein i think is his is his name um i uh this is crazy i don't know if you guys heard this but obviously you hear you know the film is semi-autobiographical uh you know his background sounds super harsh uh he was born in 1932 uh some some accounts say his mother was a prostitute and had beaten him so badly when he was three years old that he became temporarily deaf and this led to his placement in a mental hospital. I don't know if you guys have ever read this, but where he was the subject of Nazi experiments on mentally disabled children. Oh, I didn't. God damn. I yeah. think they get into that a little bit in the doc. So that was like, holy shit. And I guess at one point he had uh, survived an experimental brain operation authorized, you know, during those experiments. And then he was, he was institutionalized from the age uh, three to 26. And so he spent 23 years in and out of these institutions, jails, yeah. homeless shelters. And when he was on his own, you know, living on the street, he would break into cars for a warm place to sleep. So, you know, this guy has, you know, some lives some harsh ass life, you know, and Herzog yeah. can probably see that. You know, he's got that keen eye, especially for, you know, not only just documentary films, but also taking things from real life and applying them into more of a narrative uh, sense, which is yeah. what makes him. I wanted to talk about that a little more, actually. Sure, um, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Well, just the the the. Uh, it's funny you should mention that because the thing that really struck me because I happen to also listen to the commentary by Herzog, and he. I don't. I'm trying to find the right word. And you said keen eye. That might be the best one. But I was thinking like, he has this great acuity, which might not be the right word. But he had this acuity, keen eye, and he does this all the time. If you listen to the commentary, it's what I love about Herzog so much is he would go. I saw this man. I saw this Bruno. I must work with him. I, I went to this place. I went. I was there ten years ago in North Carolina. I needed to go back there. I needed to film that. I heard this song once down a hallway, and I needed to have it in a film. And he's just like, not only does he retain the stimuli, media, people, places, right? But then he then he's, he makes sure to follow through and have it synthesized into his work. And he's and he's and it's not just that dogged work to to follow through on applying things that resonate with him it's how things resonate with him you know he's very he seems like a person who's very open and the world is just happening in front of him and certain a lot of stuff i can just imagine is just gray like a, a whole room full of people's just gray and then bruno's technicolor you know what i mean that's right. what i'm getting at and well, i love that you know yeah he he has a he has a a, a keen eye for kind of finding the poetry in the eccentricities and peculiarities 
you know, in everyday life, you know, it's like he finds... But of any given thing, you know? Of any given thing, right? Yeah, he's got such a good taste and palate for that. And then he's able to to not only identify it, but then he's able to also make it palpable for, like, an audience, you know? And so where we can see it and be like, oh, shit. And use it for its best, you know, like, that incredible song, you know, from 1903, I have to use that with this particular image of a the trailer home you know and it's like anyway yeah. that just was that's just that's really on exhibit i guess and i'm and again i just there's so much i love this film it's very powerful to me it's i think part of what's going on is that with the period pieces he had certain restrictions as far as applying weirdness that he's experiencing as a human being like he couldn't go that is an incredible image I'm looking at this dancing chicken in the roadside of North Carolina, and all I was doing was taking a piss. He could not apply that to medieval German glassmakers. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So that, that's something about this film that really works for me, or this weird 1903 country well, song. What's also really heady about that, too, is even with the period pieces, with like something like a Gire Wrath of God, he does make that movie as if it's a documentary made in the 1600s, though, which is like what's so mm-hmm. crazy, well, yeah. trippy I mean, about that. That's, yeah, that's, so that, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. just, the, just like in this case, not to bog down as we move on, but just like the yeah. the, the, the material uh, things that that make up the lives we live in within the 20th and then now the 21st century. He's able to play with them, you know. Yeah, and do what he does with everything else and all the other films that are period pieces and whatnot vampires sure. in the 19th century right. so uh just a just a thought when we're talking about like him something about bruno just like went bing for him you know yeah marcus were you gonna and say he was right totally. oh yeah i was just gonna i mean just while tom was talking i was just thinking about all the herzog films and what's uh, you know this has been said before i'm sure but like you know he's got like a, a distinct point of view that comes through in his films but then he's got like i feel like he has the most diverse catalog of any you know, filmmaker almost. It feels like it's all, you know, from, uh, it's just all over the place from Grizzly Man and Strozik and Akira. And then like the, you know, even Dwarf started small. Like it's just all over the place. There's not like, uh, you know, I don't know. I feel some like, I just feel like with uh, someone like Scorsese or something, you can kind of like, you you can pin the world as like much smaller, but for Herzog, it feels like that's like yeah, for even, sure. Uh, even though it's about the human experience, it's just like he could make a film about anything, you know, and like yeah, um, well, and it feels and more that, broad than any other filmmaker, and yeah, and successful I, at it. Oh, sorry, yeah, and I I was just gonna say I also think that he's very unique in in a lot of ways in that you know the way he approaches documentary is very similar to how he approaches narrative film i mean he's not like making journalism with his documentaries you know he's, yeah he, that's he's, what i was just thinking about yeah, yeah. he's he, he he's approaching the all films that he makes the same way as an artist you know, he's, yeah. as an artist and he and he's really you know there to craft a story even if they're real people he's going to use them like you would an actor he's going to use them and and like manipulate yeah. that to create what, like the world that he wants even if it's a doc pick, pick me, like yeah if, if he's shooting documentary footage of like uh oil refineries burning in uh, the middle east he's gonna he's picking music you know he started that with fata morgana actually is a deep cut early on it's like 1970 and that's actually it's so cool but that's somewhat related to um strozik in a sense because it's it's a contemporary setting and it's a documentary sort of you know but um can i just bring up one thing just keep in keeping with what we're talking about about like the 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 punch in the gut when he applies documentary uh 
the documentary technique, for lack of a better term. Yeah. The scene that floored me when I, my rewatch, where I actually had to pause and I took a minute, is um, the, the the premature baby scene. Oh, I was going to mm. say that. Same yeah. thing. Well, let's talk about it. Let's just talk about it. But I just, wow. I'll just preface it with like, you know, <laughs> I don't think that premature baby was an actor. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not sure. But, you know, uh, I don't think he's part of SAG or anything. <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying is, is um, uh, it's the way he, he lingers, because sometimes he does really linger the camera on shots. And one of them is when he lingers on the baby after it grips and after it's being held, it's just lying there. There's like oh, no music. Yeah. And yeah. it's killing me. And of course, that stays with you for the rest of the film, the trip to plane, you know, to Wisconsin. And that stays with you. And there's not a real reason. There's no direct connotation. It's just that, you know, um, Strosek is consulting with this, you know, um, uh, doctor who's been helping him probably over the years. And the doctor's just sort of, sort of obtusely mentioning the mysteries of life that even doctors have. And then he just is showing Bruno and he's showing us and Herzog is showing us. And um, it's an indelible image. I won't soon forget it. It's the two of them. It's the kid gripping yeah. and it's just pure instinct. And there's a point yeah. there, you yeah. know, uh, and, and it can be applied to the film and, and, and the existential crisis of trying to just survive on a base level and human societies, but then also the tenderness that's quickly followed. Cause it's kind of brutal because the baby's crying so much and everything. And it's like, yeah. ah, he's being held. He's not yeah. hurt, but he's, you know, but it, it's followed by the doctor cradling him and it's gorgeous. And it just the pureness of it. That's like one of the most pure images I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. And it's not a doc and it's not a narrative film. It just yeah. is this thing that's happening. Exactly. And, and there's also that image too with it, where when the when the premature baby, I think it's maybe even a different one, is lying down, and we linger on that, and you see like the embryonic sort of eyes, yeah. you know, like the the the, yeah. the non non fully formed eyes, like that's just right. that just takes takes your breath away, um, Marcus. Unless you wanted to throw down on that, um, maybe we talk yeah, about no, the, that. Go ahead. Oh, just that 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 uh yeah that scene's really moving and you know as a parent i was getting like you know it was making me uh my, setting off my uh you know genes or whatever <laughs> and i was feeling it my one of my reads on it was that like you know that uh it's like strozik you know it's the the, the doctor says like the crying baby like that crying baby could become chancellor someday you know and that right, there's right. like some sort of intrinsic value in people that we don't know you know and we see that a lot in the beginning set up with with strozik that he's um the outside world doesn't sees him as like sort of a, a, a uh, as like a, a failure and a buffoon, you know, and a, he's a drunk, you know, but he's just, we see that he's a skilled musician. We see like that he's got an internal world that is like a value, sure. but the outside yeah. world sees him as like basically just like a tramp, like trash, you know, so and he's full of feeling and, and you know, too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yes. It was just this raw, emo he's got raw emotion, but he's just pent up inside. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what we see that like the, the, you know, it's gets contrasted with like the American dream that you could become chancellor someday that you could go somewhere else and start anew, you know, yeah. and, Good point. Um, I, and I, I want to reduce it by putting it into too many words, but I, those were the thoughts that were running through my head in that scene. You know, it's very, um, so, so powerful. And, and it really sets up, I think stuff, uh, it sets up some things that, um, some emotions that you feel like later on and it stays with film. you. It's yeah. unbelievable that move. Yeah. I've it's, it's bold. And, uh, you know, I have a problem with a lot of movies and I might seem like I'm a contrarian and kind of a dick or whatever. I'm very <laughs> judgmental, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'll say it right now. If your movie, whoever you are, is not 
having any of that special sauce, like literally not even this whole film, but just like the, the prenatal scene and maybe the ending of this film, if you're not kind of bouncing into that level, you know, like tapping into it even, just get out of here. I get don't the fuck out. Here. Get the fuck yeah, out yeah. of so here. So that's, the, yeah, that's what I got to say. That's really, Yeah, you know? I agree. I it could agree. be anything. It could be garbage. It could be a, you know, a big budget film. Not but, everybody uh, has to, n- n- not everybody has to make a movie. Okay. That's number one. Uh, that's what but, I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. But let yeah. me, let me, let me just, uh, Go ahead. sorry, let, let me just, I, I think we should just focus a little on just the first half of the film. Just, let's just talk okay. about Germany for a minute. Um, obviously, you know, the movie opens with him getting out of jail uh, you have uh, him being instructed not to drink, and of course, beeline straight for the bar. And uh, Bruno there meets Ava, you know, who is the prostitute, and they uh, strike up a kinship. And then she moves in with him into his apartment, which is Bruno's real life apartment. Again, another documentary element. Yeah. Piano, it's awesome. Yeah, it's real it, piano. Yeah, yeah. And and that's when we meet uh, the amazing landlord guy, another great non actor who appears in several of Herzog's movie. His name is Scheitz in this movie, but he appears in Nosferatu. He's in Heart of Glass. Um, and yeah. they basically, you know, through this, they kind of, yeah, strike a bond, but then Ava's pimps routinely come back and fuck shit up. And maybe one, uh, scene we should talk about because it's also another one that's burned in my mind from seeing this movie many times is when the pimps come in, especially that guy in the fur coat who to me looks like uh, Sabretooth, <laughs> you know, from the, from the Marvel universe. Uh, but, yeah. uh, uh, he, big he, blonde he com- guy. Yeah. yeah, the big blonde guy with the fur coat. He comes in to really uh, fuck with Bruno and then basically stretches him out on top of his own piano and balances these bells on his body. And, and yeah, watching treats him that, like mockingly, like like a like a child, you know. Yeah, and he there's just apart. yeah, exactly. And there's just like watching his performance in that scene is very disturbing because his reaction is entirely authentic, you know, to being bullied Bruno. and harassed. Bruno's, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, it's not quite terror or horror. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, th- yeah, well it's resolution. <laughs> yeah. It's not terror. It's not like uh horror. It's like he, he just kind I of know. succumbs and knows. You know what it like, is? I think it's yeah. this. I think it's, oh, here we go again. Exactly. Like some guy's punching me in the stomach yeah. and like, like, what do you want me to do now? Like, like his body, he doesn't have agency over his body again. And he knows this, he knows this routine. He's like. This is when the guy, some guy comes out of nowhere and starts abusing me. And like, I guess we're going to do this. Now you're putting me on the piano and it's, it's, he's resolved to it. Uh, It's not his first rodeo. It's very, it's a very, it's uh, it's almost unwatchable because it's obviously Bruno's experience. He seems resolved to so much in life, you know, like we see that over and over again that he's, but so that's a great way to do what you just see it visually manifest. No, a hundred percent. Sorry. I was just going to say one quick thing is like, that's definitely that performance that moment is something you never get out of a professional actor you know it, it comes no. out of a non-actor who's lived it no. and and no. that's the genius of you know being able to Herzog. use non-actors to their full potential because that performance in that scene is but 10 times more disturbing you know in that way not any non-actor like it's not like uh i use non-actors you know like uh, right it's right, like bruno right. it's like bruno he would this uh simply stated there would be no strosek if there was no bruno s you know, of course, it has to be the person who's lived it, the person who's lived yeah. it. So yeah. that's yeah. all I want to say. And, and I just yeah. think he has a from a filmmaking point of view, watching that scene and just like imagining how they could have blocked it out and staged it and made it, you know, made it like watchable and not just like a complete oh, mess. Yeah. You know, it's it's genius. Well, it, they're both it really does speak to the genius. Of, <laughs> well, well, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. because the the bully guy is just really just kind of a, a violent bully. He went to jail like a couple years later for beating somebody near to death, and he would but, he would just be he'd get he'd get into a fender bender and he beat someone into a coma. The guy, the blonde, big blonde guy, and he was right, totally right, drunk. Right. He was they, they had drank a, a whole bottle of whatever and a and a half when they wow. came into his apartment. So they're not acting, you know? right? Yeah. She's like a boxer or something, right? Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, a boxer the, uh, in real life. Yeah. Trivia, a little trivia about that guy. So for when you're watching, for when the people at home are watching this, what they're he was in Scorpions, other. right? <laughs> in, 19, in 1978, <laughs> he's in Scorpions. Sorry, you're very close. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, no, he was in. Uh, he was in. He was in. Ghostbusters 2. What? Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah. Holy shit. Wait Look a it minute. Up. Maybe right, I made I, it up. I, I Maybe gotta, it's true. What do you mean? Is it on IMDb? <laughs> is it a thing? What do you is that That's true? I saw it on IMDb, yeah. yeah. Oh, Holy my God. I, I got to quit. I'm out. I'm out. That's fucking insane. <laughs> wow. Blonde uh, thug guy is, is in wow. G2. Wow. That uh, wow. is Holy insane. Holy shit. Well, let's get back. Let's get... So... Can yeah. we go to America? Because we're just the clock. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Um, yeah, we should go to America. No, I'm just saying the clock. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, you go to New York guys... for a second. That's fine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Whatever. So, so let, let's transition to America because obviously, with the harassment that Bruno's facing, um, yeah. and Shites, the landlord, kind of has a plot to that he wants to travel to Wisconsin, and they're going to come along with, and that's kind of this beautiful journey that we go on. Where uh, Bruno, Ava, yeah. and Scheitz kind of you know travel through t- to America through New York, and then they eventually like three get to oddballs going yes. to the New World. Can I just here's an observation I had sure. is um, Europeans in general, but very much so Germans have a, a very fantastical obsession with not just America but like the West, the rural America. And yeah. I kept thinking of Heino. You guys know Heino, right? The weird of course. singer who has the big glasses. I'm Heino. And like he, he d- mostly is doing country music, which is like sort of country. It's, it's called Schlager. And so right, it just reminds right. me that there's this huge appreciation of, of kitsch um, uh, American ruralness. Americana. And there's a, yeah. Americana. There's a poster of Bonanza in, in, in Strosik. Did you guys see that? Oh, I didn't see that. And, Where is that? Um, I think his prison, I think his prison cell I'm trying to remember on the right side is, and I don't think they put it there. It's like someone who lives in that spot where they filmed the, the prison, where the guy lights his fart. Uh, there's a Bonanza poster. So what oh, I'm wow. saying is, yeah. is that these, these three people probably grew up with this intense, maybe more than any other European country, this intense romantization of America. Yeah. Of like Hank Williams and cowboys. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is I a love great, that. So they have this is, no realistic yeah. idea of it. This is a great segue, just real quick, before we fully transition to the America parts in the film. Let's just set up, again, uh, Europeans being fascinated with Americana really fits very well with why this film is set uh, or eventually is set in Wisconsin. Let's just set that up because it's super interesting. So obviously Herzog picked uh, uh, Wisconsin and more specifically Plainfield, Wisconsin, because of his fascination with serial killer Ed Gein. Uh, He had a bizarre fascination with him. And when he heard about Plainfield, he just had to shoot a movie there. Similar to what you were saying, Tom, before. It's like those Herzog urges, yeah. you know, of like, okay, well, we got to right. shoot a film there. Um, but 
around that time, you know, his his contemporary Errol Morris, you know, they have a long storied friendship and collaborations and, you know, mutual appreciation over the decades. It, Some e eating shoes. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. Eating each other's shoes. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, <Okay>. right. <laughs> so, um sometime in the mid 70s when they decided to meet in Plainfield, you know, where they shot Strotzek all the, the Wisconsin scenes. And uh, they had a mutual uh, sort of uh, fixation about, you know, with Ed Gein, and they wanted to rendezvous at the Plainfield Cemetery under the cloak of night where they would dig up Ed Gein's mother once and for all to settle if, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the sort of debate of, you know, had, had Ed Gein, so in fact, dug up, you know, uh, well, his own mother. Yeah, yeah they're saying, yeah. Um, and first of all, just in case no one knows, Ed Gein, huge, notorious 50s killer in Wisconsin and uh, inspired Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And um, he would dig up corpses and uh, grotesquely um, uh, arrange them. Like he had an armchair, that kind of thing. Like people, mm -hmm. corpses, arms on his chair. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. Skulls everywhere. He'd drink out of skulls. And, everything. and uh, the debate, which is nuts. It's hard to imagine this is really happening. But Werner Herzog and then Errol Morris, these two icons, were like, we have to dig up his mother's corpse. It's either <laughs> empty. It's either empty and he did grab it or he never quite grabbed his mother's coffin because they realized that all of the coffins in a circle around his mother's coffin, her grave, were, were dug up. And Amazing. they were wondering if, if, if the bullseye grave was dug up or he's waiting <laughs> to do it later or he just couldn't bring himself to it. It's like, what the fuck? What are you guys thinking? Like, it's like, hey, it's three in the morning. Oh, is that Errol Morris and Werner Herzog digging earth? <laughs> what you yeah. know but but again that back to the movie that's how we got to this kind of creepy middle truly middle of nowhere place in wisconsin there it's is a perfect setting there's there's a little button on that story too which is obviously uh they didn't wind up doing that uh you know uh herzog right. basically wound up being there by himself and was like okay errol morris he is ditching me up. Yeah, he he showed up and then Morris Herzog ditched him. shows up with a shovel. Yeah, He's like, yeah. There's my friend in the yeah. digging. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then and then what happened? I don't know if you know this, but what happened after that? When he's like, okay, Morris isn't showing up. I'm not doing it alone because you know people have guns in this town and who knows what'll happen. But uh, Herzog got in his car. Allegedly, as Lore says, his car broke down, and that's how he met right. the mechanic, who right. would be the non-actor in Strozek. Who is an incredible right. find, total <laughs> mush brain, a mush brain no, non actor that's in this totally movie who's who's, totally, who's terrifying. totally terrifying and frightening. Well, but the thing ahead. for a long time, well, just you're, that guy, absolutely. He pulls another, his fucking uh, tooth out of his head. Oh well, yeah, that's the movie. thing. Well, you know, I remember well, he spits when I first purple too. I think he spits kind of purple. What? That's so, that's so weird. It's <laughs> so very gross. Who knows I ran it back, so I was like, "Am I seeing things, or is that really the blood is well, purple?" Well, so here's the thing: when I first saw Strozik, it was actually the, for like five years. It was the image of that film because it was horrifying me. He's got like pliers. Now the thing is, I did listen to the commentary, and I found out that he did not actually do it. They got a tooth from a dentist, and it was um, fictionalized. Okay. But it, and it's also based on a, a less blank moment that really happened in I don't remember the film, but it actually uh -huh. was a thing that occurred in a less blank where a guys just going yank. Um, but it's so chilling. Can I just a side note on that actor or that non actor? What am I saying? Is the other moment that stuck with me uh, the first time I saw the film was it's this really uncomfortable scene that made me really feel for uh, Bruno S slash Strozik is um, he's getting really he's like starting to really get disillusioned by being in America. 
And it's just that scene where he's sitting in the corner and he can't even look at the two grotesquely stupid uh, Americans talking about like fucking some girl or whatever yeah, they're talking yeah, about. Like, yeah, you, got, yeah. you got to hit her in the ing and like wig her in the wing. And he's just so <laughs> repulsed by them. You can't even make eye contact. And also there's this great accidental technique. Herzog's doing a thing where they're both talking but neither can understand each other. I know. You know like, so, 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 so Strosik is saying like, I've made a huge mistake. You know what? You can always fix a mistake unless it's too late. You know, and like, I, I'm so stupid, stupid, stupid for coming to America. It's actually worse than Germany. And, and the whole time the, the, that grotesquely stupid all-American hokey oaky guy is going like, <laughs> and then you grab her by the ingo and you grab her by the ringo. And it's, it's unbearable because it's like this man who's incredibly sensitive and intelligent is having to face this enormously grotesque, stupid man. Unbelievable. Like, uh, it, it chilled, chilled me. Uh, there's something about it that was the chafing between the two things. It is insane. Uh, how about you guys? Like, well, what the hell? That's just, just real quick. Uh, yeah, incredible moment, incredible scene. Uh, just to kind of set it up, you know, when when they do arrive in Wisconsin, you know, they're trying to start this life. All live in this trailer home together that they that they get. They get a loan for the trailer home. They get a brand new color TV. They're kind of trying to. They all get jobs, and they're trying to like you know have their American dream. And then slowly, yeah. things start to fall apart when they miss their loan payments. And then these, you know, that fucking schmuck ass bank guy comes over there trying to dick him around with the payments. Non actor again. Again, yeah, another non actor who's trying to threaten the idea of repossessing their yeah. their their possessions. And then, and, and then yeah. very tragically, Ava slips back. Yeah. The prostitution, and that right. actually kills me. That's another. This it's, is such a sad film. But it kills really me to watch sad. Ava just just totally slide a little bit. Like maybe she's like, well, I'll I'll, I'll be a, a prostitute for a minute to help with the payments. Then she's like, no, that's what I'm doing again. Yeah, Goodbye, uh, Strosik. Terrible. Yeah, it hurts. Terrible. Yeah, there, there, there's that scene. Yeah, like you just mentioned, it's one of the most heartbreaking moments in the movie when he goes to find her at the truck stop, and then he leans in and sees that you know with that that you know she's in the back of this truck with two guys, and they're and she's 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 gonna fuck off to you know Vancouver and leave him there, which is kind of the 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 major turning point I think for him where everything goes Absolutely. super dark. Yeah. Well, then um, he doesn't even care about losing the 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 the, the tract home. He right. Just like signs it like shut up like will this yeah. shut you up he's basically saying to the, the loan officer yeah um but, but but just before that maybe a scene we want to chew on really quick here uh feel free to throw in anybody but i think one of the standout moments uh that happens just before that just before uh she leaves him is when they have this beautiful moment or weird moment between bruno and ava where he's uh yeah. showing her that sculpture Great of that that he's carved of what a you know that's evocative of him writhing in pain this is what bruno writhing in pain looks like man, this little... it's, it's it's a sculpture of his feelings yeah and of course that's bruno s made that and made those these um expressions of his internal life uh in the form of like um kind of like strangely made non-working sort of things with parts he liked to tinker yeah yeah, that, that's it's very heartbreaking. You're right. You know. Yeah, totally. And, 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 and it shows the depth of feeling and the total intelligence. And you know, it's like some people's. And I hate when I see this when there's a description of this film. It's like retarded actor Bruno S. And it's like, shut up. You're wrong. Take ten minutes, five minutes. It's not retarded. Ebert or whatever. You know, like yeah, that's an mentally, Ebert. You know, yeah. 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 Yes. He Ebert says said that. that. He Roger does Ebert say says that. that. I know. <laughs> he does. It's like, come on. 
but what I'm saying is, is um, this is all too common that, you know, uh, mental hospitals were dumping grounds and people who had like hearing problems, mental hospital, right. people who maybe had certain kinds of emotional problems, of course, autistic people, mental hospitals, you know, gay people, mental hospital, yeah. you know, so like um, my, my mother had a, her friend had sex with a black man in the 50s and she went to a mental hospital. Whoa. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Jeez. that's the way things were. That's what mental wow. hospitals do. They're a catch-all for like not working normal, you know? And and so Bruno is probably just a totally functional, in fact, particularly talented person with a lot to give, but he had all these strikes against him in, in his socialization. Traumatized, because abused. Because he was, he was yeah. categorized. Yeah, because he was categorized and institutionalized. And um, that happened. Titicut Follies, that brutal documentary. Ooh. So many of those people aren't actually don't have any problems more than just like being in the place that's supposed to be a solution for the problems. You know that kind of thing. So anyway, Marcus, um, uh, Marcus, are, are, are there any scenes in the in the Wisconsin landscape you want to touch on that 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 were particularly uh, things that you remember from yeah. the last watchback? Oh God! There's there's so many amazing scenes in this. There's the one, sorry, the one that's on the tip of my head was just like a really nice editing moment that was in the Berlin section, which I feel like maybe I that's could fine. Go, go back. Well, I mean, just uh, it, it does speak to like what's uh, to his just mental state and like what's going on with him. Like, yeah. there was this amazing, amazing cut, which I think just uh, one of those moments where you're like, oh, cinema is the ultimate art form. You can't do this in any other media. Uh, there's like there's a moment where he's walking down the street in Berlin and there's like this toy piano kind of like bunk dunk that kind of plunking you know it's like whimsical, childlike you know and he's outside so it feels like that's how the world sees him and then all of a sudden it cuts to him inside his home and his and the uh, the, the elderly friend is playing like um, I think it's Beethoven on the piano oh. it's really heavy emotional atonal and yeah. shows like is Bruno's just sitting there smoking just like consumed by his own misery you know and at that moment my, i felt like that that was another instance of the world seeing him as just like a buffoon or whatever as a you know and as a Clown. child basically the way that ebert described him you know basically as, as a child yeah. and then you and then you see you know he's got this like devastation misery this like rich inner world that he's just completely consumed by mm. and i think we see it in you know he's so reluctant to go to america you know, um, and then when he actually goes there, he, he still doesn't like he's still so consumed by his misery and the things, you know, he doesn't seem to make any attempt to, like, start a life there. He's incapable of it, you know, and so he's just seeing he's like, still Bruno. He's just in he's a different so, place. He's, so, I'm sorry, he's got all this mis Yeah, he's still all this got all this misery about um, how his life is going to unfold and how it's unfolding badly. And it's still. It's almost self-fulfilling prophecy, unfortunately, way, you know, because it's like it's going to. Well, he uses it, the word pessimism. Oh, and yeah. it does. Yeah. It ends up chasing. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why Ava leaves. Right. Is like she can't hang with that heavy emotion. of, And then he's, you know, also just sort of like not contributing. He's incapable of it, I guess, at that point. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. also boring. Under depression, yeah. And he's drinking Plain, a lot. Right. He's also <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, he's, they're also they're also so drinking. Drunk. They're also so drinking right. a lot, and and she also, uh, you know, kind of yeah, a lot of drinking. More Midwest but, drinking. Oh yeah, no, here like, we go. Know, that comes up a lot. American movie. American yeah. movie, bro. American <laughs> right, movie, man. Right. Vodka. Um, but also they they do you know she she does express to him that she needs more space and she needs her own yeah. kind of room and stuff. So it's 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 a slow burn to their sort of demise. 
one one quick little moment. I don't know. I don't know why I chuckled at this because this movie is, you know, it has because we're looking at interesting, weird people for this whole this whole ride here. Uh, it, it it has the capability of putting a smile on your face, as it does also being does. incredibly horrifying at the same time. It's crushing too. Yeah, it is. It's crushing, yeah. but there's also a lot of humor to find in this. And one moment. It's true. It's not like you know a belly laugh moment, but it, it puts a smile on my face. Is in the in the Wisconsin half of the film when uh, they're all out with the fucking uh, wacko dude from the the auto mechanic guy when they're when they're out doing yeah, the yeah. the uh, metal de- like they're like doing the metal detecting stuff, and you're just the animal magnetism readings. Yeah, yeah, the animal magnetism readings, and you're just looking at these four or five people like what? Look at this fucking what gang of bozos. What the Crazy fuck bunch are they of doing? Oddballs. Yeah, yeah, what the fuck are they doing? And where are they doing it and why it's kind of like in one flow of the cuckoo's nest when they go fishing oh you know please can we do that movie at some <laughs> yeah. Point soon? sure yeah sure. oh sure. yeah top top five i, I love the, the all the, the humor in it and you know my memory of this movie was that it was just soul crushingly depressing i don't think i've seen it since like 2004 or something i remember the video store oh, wow. i rented it from back then yeah me too plus. but uh, um discount video they uh it was like it was some sort of like communist looking video. I forget what it's called, but it was like it was in the wedge. That's where I lived. Oh, um, wow. Okay, okay. Go, it's go on. Like Red Star or something. Anyway, but they um, wow. so I rented it from there. Uh, but they uh, yeah. Anyway, I just remember my when when you guys were talking about wanting to do this film, I was like kind of not in the mood because I didn't want to be so depressed, you know. Right. But I was refreshingly watching watching it this time. I was refreshed by. I guess just my maturity of being able to like appreciate the humor that's in it now. And it feels like you really, I, I don't know for me, like a movie really needs that. It really needs like, if it's going to be really traumatic and hard to watch, it's going to need that like humor to offset. It's that uh, the levity yeah. Dionysian <laughs> mixed with the Apollonian or whatever. I forget. It's like a Nietzsche type thing where it's like, you need the, uh, the lightness to, 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 to balance out all the horror and stuff. And, I feel like there's so many filmmakers that just don't get that, like, no. you know, looking at you, you like Requiem for a Dream or something. Is there anything oh, funny no. in that movie? You know, it's just like... Uh, Maybe another future yeah, movie like, will do. Yeah, yeah. We might, we're looking at you, Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> <laughs> we, might, we might dunk on you someday, so what's up? Well, let's... Um, anyway... If I can, if you're finished, let's let's um, let's kind of make our way to the ending of this movie. Obviously, it's 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 yeah. legendary. I, I want to spend twenty minutes on it. I know that's why I want to get oh, God, there because yeah. it's it's really kind of yeah. really one of the best in all of movies. Um, but just just to kind of pick it up where we left off. So you know, Ava leaves Bruno, and then Bruno slips into even darker sort of depression. Uh, the bank uh, schmuck is coming over to repossess the house, and of course, that's where the auctioneer guy we talked about earlier you know, auctions off their yeah. home and all their possessions. Sold. Um, yeah. And then that sort of is the catalyst for uh, uh, Bruno and Scheitz to, to try attempt to rob a bank. But of course, because it's <laughs> side, fucking... side note. Yep. It's official. One fucking hour loves bank robbery. Movie. I know. Yes. I know. I thought the same it's thing. Like, it's like the third. Unexpected the bank robbery. I was like, oh. straight time MMA, and, and you know, and this road sick. Yeah, I, I was yeah. thinking. I was going. It's like, is bank heist the ultimate movie trope? It's like, when in doubt, know. you know, bank heist. It works, man. <laughs> it, different movies. It fucking yeah. works, but of course. But this is know, the most pathetic, and I'm quoting most- Herzog. Herzog, <laughs> yeah. like, I think he says in the commentary, he's like, is this not the most absurdly comical bank robbery you've ever seen? Yeah, it is. You, have in, you have to put it in quotations, like bank heist, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, they don't even rob the bank. 
that, that, that that's exactly what I was gonna say. Is that like, but this is totally in you know the Herzog's world here, where the fucking bank is closed. And it's then a comedy of course, scene. Basically, it's a comedy scene. Yeah, and so and then they go they, directally yeah. next door. And they get thirty-two dollars from a barber. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, God, guys, that is and fucking. It's, and, it's, and it's you know, and he plays it for comedy because like the old man is the one holding this enormous gun, <laughs> yeah. and it's like it looks like he can barely lift it up. He's like, he looks like a like a little bird or like an old lady. And he's like holding his gun. He's just so not intimidating. That's comic. That is that's comic. like some that's yeah. like some the golden Herzog age. That, that that's like some golden yeah. age comedy, like some fatty Arbuckle shit. You know, like it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it, and yeah. it gets cartoonish in that moment too. You know, yeah. you know, from here on, the movie kind of drifts into some like surrealism in a way. You know, and the, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah, the yeah. cops the cops rush in and grab the old man. They're like, "You're arrested for bank robbery," and they immediately put him in the car and drive yeah. away. Which is like a literally like a Keystone Cops kind of yeah, like you know it's, or like and not and then and then not obviously arresting Bruno. Not his totally, partner is holding yeah. a big turkey. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very well. It's a very it's very German. It's very German comedy. You know what but, I mean? It's like very deadpan, dark comedy. It's uh, but it is brilliant. Comedy. It's brilliant it's writing. And it's delivered very straight, flat, and dry. Yeah. And side note, you know, Tom loves his sans serif movies, and I won't get into it, but, you know, it's it, like Texas Chainsaw became a sans serif film, uh, a horror film, excuse me. This is very sans serif, like like the way a book cover in the mid-70s, especially in Europe, would have just very sans serif text and no kind of even hints of, like, 19th century frilliness. You know, it's yeah. so dry. Yeah. So, uh, and and it's just a testament to him, and it's, and also just the general uh, German new wave uh, tone. They feel it doesn't have any '60s elements. Do you know what I'm trying to say, guys? Man, like there's no '60s kind of like mod or like groovy, even like a Gardard way. It's, there's I no know. grooviness in it. There's, you know what it, I mean? It's not trying to be cool. It really is not trying to be cool. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and and yeah. and a lot of a lot of the films in other places in Europe at that time are trying to be. And I have to say that exactly the it's nothing the, like Holy Mountain something no the like german new wave man is fucking killer like you know the yeah. fast bender shit the the alice the, of the cities oh the, the 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 classic vendors period the herzog stuff we talked about it's all amazing stuff um but so anyway Absolutely. they fucking uh yeah, totally botched this heist and they get the so 32 dollars from a bar two bucks from across the street yep so here's the thing here's <laughs> like uh go to the bank close just where do we go next? Next door, the next building next yeah. to the closed bank, yeah. Barber, $32. What do you do now? Cross the street directly across <laughs> and just go to the market and buy chips. And, uh, like they're, and, and, you know, there's another very dark, dry German comedic moment where they're just going down the aisle and they're like, oh, do I want ho-hos or do I want, that's what I was talking about before. <laughs> oh, do I want like hostess or like maybe a bag of chips? Oh, and it's slam. like, like they're taking their time. It's yeah. so demented. What it it's reminds great. me of something I can't think of it. Some people can. It's yeah. uh, I don't know if it's influential, but it's just. Uh, uh, it's not pretty many bonehead. Can pull that off. It's pretty like it is kind yeah. of midwestern bonehead too at the same time. But uh, so Absolutely. so anyway. anyway, they 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 take away shites. They arrest him. Bruno's fine. He runs into this truck with a turkey. Drives just keeps driving, and then he he heads to. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina, North where Carolina, yeah. this mountain town, where then we get to this blissful, amazing, oh, jaw-dropping, shit, dude. one cinema, of the great endings of all time. And ten out of ten. Hyperbole. Ten out of ten moment here, where it basically kicks off with Bruno uh, putting his truck into gear and letting it just 
circle and circle and circle. Circle the, the parking lot, which soon causes the, the engine to set on fire. Yeah. So the car is burning in an empty parking lot. There's a Native American dressed up in like kitschy, you know, Native American garb because it's a tourist trap. Yeah. He just he stopped. He basically stopped the somewhere in the Smoky trap. Mountains. Yeah. Have Cherokee, you guys seen, North I've Carolina. seen that stuff. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's total tourist oh, yeah. traps. Totally. Yeah, you know, oh yeah. We got to be in California. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So, uh, so, so, hence you get um, a grotesque geek show display of like really D E level, you know, uh, uh, entertainment that's like you know 100 years old. Where it's like, see the dancing chicken, see the duck play the drums, you know, see the rabbit in the fire truck. Yeah, it's all the who's my favorite, and yep. it's like you know hand painted signs, and it's all noisy and and, and idiotic, and uh, I could see a I could see a European eating that up like eating a whole blueberry pie in one sitting, you know, like that is because <laughs> it's just not a thing in Europe. No, they have like basically like hillbilly theater, basically, you know. Yeah. You know that that chicken Incredible. booth specifically that uh, um, I I I saw those when I was a kid growing up in Texas and you know Texas can be a little backwards sometimes and I just had this distinct memory of going to like a mall and they had a row of those set up with the duck playing the piano there's a duck that did the piano there a rabbit oh. doing like a driving car and then like um, and then of course the tap dancing chicken you know and I put a quarter and I saw them all happen wow. I like, and that, that was well before I ever saw this movie so when I saw the movie I was like oh my god like you know that someone else saw that you know it's right, not just right. this weird a German guy you. saw that like, I I gonna... there's still like some tic-tac-toe chickens around you know there's still it's still a thing. I'll think a little bit like there's some tic tac toe playing chickens. I think they around, do computation. But, uh, yeah. I think there's like well, horses actually also sometimes count. Like, what's like a booth. Was, I'm talking about like a booth. Where you no, put I know, but they also have a sideshow where a horse does like what's four plus four, Sally? You know, and it, and it right. stops. Maybe the, right, right, right. Um, right. I was just gonna throw the down vending machine. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna throw down, which I didn't know this either. But I was you know chatting with Ramy right before we were doing the, the show tonight, and she said that her parents when they first dated there was actually an arcade in Chinatown that had a uh, tap dancing chicken. New York? So you could have you yeah. seen that shit in New York, yeah? Uh, yeah, up until a few years ago, because there's, there's, a, there's a video on EXP that we, that we play that's like uh, the story of the guy who rescued the chicken. It's one of the videos that's played really? on EXP TV. Yeah, and, it's like, right. and it was only like in the or mid-2000s or something that he actually, this guy, this animal rights guy went in there and convinced really? the guy that ran the arcade to hand him over the chicken. Oh, so there it is. To take it to a, to a farm, yeah. Chicken there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So anyway... Uh, this 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 but, ending. Well, there's another element to it. Well, there's another element to it, yep. where, which is adding to this surrealism, where um, Bruno takes full advantage of as he goes through the uh, the amusement area, it it winds up where you go to a uh, some kind of ski lift type thing, or at least a place to go up to the top of the mountain, not necessarily skiing. And he goes up there, and I was I was observing that you know we were saying his car is circling the yeah. Uh, the part of the parking lot and then he if he were to just stay all day on that um that ran that uh, tram or whatever that goes up you know this the lift that goes up to the top of the mountain and then back down he would just be going in this mechanical circle and his car is going in a circle and the chicken is doing a repetitive movement in a circle of like you know yeah like in a circle it just never like it's like uh, like and it hears this <laughs> tone and it just starts moving again like i'm the chicken doing and the, the police officer the music, knows that too the music keeps repeating <laughs> No, but but listen. And the, to my police, point. the police my point officer was, says, "I can't stop the chicken. Can't stop the dancing chicken." Right, right, right. 
But I'm saying like there's like this there's this thing that maybe is unconsciously happening with Herzog where there's all this grim, nightmarish, existential Loop. dread of like repetition and looping. Yeah. And it's very chilling, you know. And yeah. uh, Bruno does though put a stop to it. Spoiler. That matters. Hopefully, all of you have seen this. <laughs> no, you hear a gunshot. I was going to say that. Yeah, I was going to say that. So yeah. So well, th- th- well, that was what I was going to ask about. Was the 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 that because the, that adds a, a. Are you an a, optimist or a pessimist? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a whole other layer of the story where I know. What do you it's think? Like, well, I'll, I'll explain it for, to the to the crew here listening. Is the you know as he's circling the uh, chairlift. You know, you hear what appears to be a gunshot, but then that's what also cuts back to the car on fire. You know, and so there are times where I've watched it where I've thought that oh, that was linked to the that. that that was linked to the car uh, exploding, car blowing up. But I think oh, there's shit, that th- there's that odd tension though of like, oh my god, is he going to kill himself? Is he just fire the gun? Yeah. And because I think he's got, that, just to be clear, yeah. he's holding the turkey and a gun. You know. Yeah, he's holding the turkey and a gun, and and it, it just it adds this odd layer of tension, obviously ambiguity, and and a, a brilliant layer of subtlety to this it very is, crazy it, scene. It's not clear that he did shoot himself in the head on on the lift, and uh, I would like to think that he did because it makes the most quote unquote sense, tragically. But I'm not sure, and I'm just going to quote Herzog here sure. uh, in the commentary, and he says, I left it ambiguous, and uh, he says, did he shoot a, the gun in the air and not shoot himself? Because it's not explicit, but it sure feels like it makes sense that he would just end it all right there, because he's really in bad shape, you know? Yeah. And he's just yeah, yeah. at the car that he's letting spin out of control in a loop, and seeing a chicken dancing in an endless loop of repetition, he wanted to stop because, you know... He'll stop the repetition for himself if he stops his life, you know. So I th- think he shoots himself. And you know, they're just you know. prisoners, you know, and the, these animals are prisoners. Yeah, and it's like trapped the, in a loop. Yeah. yeah, perfect, like trapped, uh, hopeless, uh, you know, yeah. and you, you know, we're going to put a quarter in you and you're just going to keep dancing it's re- until the time repetitive runs repetitive movement. It's the, yeah. it's the duck hitting the drum. Yeah. It's the, the, the bells going off or whatever for the, uh, the rabbit in the... <laughs> Whoa! Engine, you know. Bless you. <laughs> yeah, I just sneezed. Uh, <laughs> That's so, um, idea. We're running. Out. Yeah. There's, oh, cut. No, that that sorry, gun's pretty long. Well, like, oh, oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Um, the gun's pretty long. Uh, you know, was he able to shoot himself? Like, uh, I was thinking about Kurt Cobain. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Like that gun was a little long to be able to, yeah, to shoot true. yourself with. True, that is a it's good a point. We, That's a good we point. We can't, we can't, I don't know, Evan, do you have something to, to mention about that scene? There's one detail we have to talk about that scene, okay. unless you've got... Go. We have five minutes. Yeah, we got five minutes. Go, man. Oh, I just want to say that you have to, we have to mention the the song, which is like incredible. <laughs> the, uh, the It's yeah. called uh, uh, Old Lost John by Sonny Terry, who is a blind, you know, harmonica player. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to mention too, it's such an amazing song. And Herzog knows it, obviously. He uses it twice there in the film. It ends right, and uh, the film ends with that music too. But then um, he also uses it in the Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, in that amazing scene where Nicolas Cage is like, "Shoot him again," and they're like, "What?" It's like his soul is still dancing, and then we hear that song again. Anyway, it's like uh, I don't know what's going on there because it's Herzog. Probably just put it in there to like scramble people's brains or. Some sort of you know, some sort of poetic unity, but there's like that song again. There's the infinite dancing, the dancing soul, the chicken that's trapped in the cage. You know, there's some sort right, of right, yeah. I don't know. Um, 
maybe might be worth watching that film just for that one scene, you know. But, uh, <laughs> maybe just for that one. That's yeah. the only scene I have seen. I've heard, oh, I you haven't heard seen good it? About it. Ah. No, I'll get around. To it's it. pretty I fun. Will. It's pretty fun. fun. It's so weird. I mean, yeah, it's it fun. ain't. It, 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 it definitely ain't no Abel Ferrar Bad Lieutenant for me, in my opinion. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a big no, fan no, of the OG. No, 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 but, Herzog, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, no, no, but there's a weird. But just the, its existence is so unusual and fun, you know. But the fact that that song is in both of them well, is so weird. You know, we're talking about the ending, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I realized years later that the first time I saw the ending was, of course, in Twenty Four Hour Party pe- People. Yeah, not very good, late, like early two thousands or whatever film about uh, Manchester and all that shit. Because I was half watching it. And I heard that song, Marcus, and I went, what's going on? This movie sounds interesting all of a sudden. And I look over <laughs> yeah. and I see a dancing chicken. I see a dancing chicken and then I see a guy who hung himself and I'm like, whoa, 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 what? And so yeah. the legend, which we have not, I think all of us tried to validate, Ian Curtis of Joy Division in 1978, right before their US tour, Joy Division, um, the night that BBC aired Stroysick, uh, he did hang himself. Now, for some reason, people are uh, saying that one of the last things that Ian Curtis did in his life was watch Strosick on BBC and then <laughs> later. But we, there might be confirmation. Like I'm saying, like in a biography of him, I haven't looked into it that hard. Yeah, no, it's it's in it's in the movie Control too. They show yeah, it in that movie, movie too, yeah. and like, and then yeah, there's always been this thing. Like he listened to Iggy Pop, the idiot. And watched mm-hmm. Strozik and then killed himself. And but yeah, we were always wondering like, okay, so I could see the turn, the record probably still spinning on the turntable. But right, how did they know right. that he killed himself after watching Strozik? They were like, okay, yeah. it was, you know, the TV was on. It was on channel four or no, it's probably just two maybe or whatever. The, I don't. Yeah. Maybe the TV's on. It's on BBC One or whatever. Yeah, they only but had the three channels, show. right? Like in the in right. the so it's BBC, BBC in the, One, uh, two, or three. Yeah. Well, that's what Austin Powers' songs like, right? BBC One, BBC One, BBC Two. But right. before we run out of time, here's the thing that I really like. Let's just say that Ian Curtis watched it and then ended his life soon after, which is creepy. But the same night in London, the Crazy. same broadcast was being watched by none other than none other than David Lynch when he was wrapping <laughs> up the shoot for Elephant Man, and he loved Strosik. He was like wow he's blown away i think he contacted herzog like the next day or something and so i like to think that Ian curtis and david lynch <laughs> we know david lynch watched that they're both Shared watching and they had, yeah, yeah right and there was this weird wavelength of strange illness because in london they're watching wisconsin <laughs> surreal nightmare you know by this german guy and uh it's just a beautiful thing well i also right. well also just like that he killed himself in the you know, if he killed himself in the movie in Strozik, yeah, right. himself in real he life, the film where a guy off himself, and then, yeah, right. Oh yeah. no, Ian! It so was the car backfiring, Ian. No, um, the uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's open to interpretation. It. Yeah, um, the uh, <laughs> the uh, the owl theory the of Strozik. Yeah, totally. Uh, the thing, yeah, yeah. the 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 uh, one other little detail too is, I guess, the inner groove of side one of their posthumous live album um if you look in the record it says in the in the matrix or whatever it says the chicken won't stop it says in the actual no. grooves love, of that. Live oh, those, record. but yeah I after those he died. matrix those, those messages yeah. that are yeah. scratched into the yeah. playoff yeah. groove yeah yeah yeah, stop. yeah, yeah. Can't that's amazing let that ian curtis uh, strosick thing go i know it's, it's part of the an, lore it's, it's a great i i hope i i it want it cool because it is poetic and weird. It's and weird. urban legend that's additive, you know, and not subtractive. Yeah. Maybe it's substantiated. Yeah. Maybe he was on the phone with somebody 
and said, I'm going to watch Strosik. Let's, like, you know, I don't know. Let's, let's end <laughs> the show. Here. Let's, let's end the show with the last line of dialogue uh, from the movie. I know Marcus, you like it too. The last line of dialogue. We got a truck on fire. Can't find the switch to turn the ski lift off and can't stop the dancing chicken. Send an electrician. I mean, that's fucking killer. You know, that's, that's, some, that's all that's I need. So to great. That's, that's the kind of movie we're fucking with here. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that, again, that's the humor that like makes yeah. it bearable. Yes. You know, 100%. a hundred percent. A pitch black German kind of comedy. <gasps> Boom. All right. We did it. Wow. Uh, Such a great film. I'm so glad we did it. I'm so glad it's it. That's great. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, we got to we, we could it's definitely so Last week Marcus you came up with the idea which I thought was brilliant of doing the Werner Herzog dartboard, which I think we should do uh, at some point. And I I'm, I'm I'm serious. I'll I'll take the lead of creating sure. the Werner Herzog dartboard and we'll just put or up the wheel or the, the wheel. wheel sure, wheel we we could we we can do the wheel of Werner or the dartboard and just whatever it is randomization <laughs> of fifteen to twenty of his movies and we'll just fucking do it because yeah. he's 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 definitely and we go it. to town with any of them you know yeah that's not hundred like percent God's angry man you know oh. I love God's angry man oh like, my god uh, I wanted the, to rewatch that I mean Heart of Glass fucked me up a lot when I was it's younger so great because it's it's the the fucking Popelva soundtrack on the Heart of Glass is oh. out of control. I need, I need to see that on the big screen. Yeah. Oh. I saw on the big screen. That's such a big screen yeah. scene movie. It really the is. Popelva and Fitzcarraldo is off the chain nuts yeah. too. You know? And then there's a Gire. Hello, Aguirre. like the first twenty yeah. minutes of a Gire. Yeah, like it's just that real time. You know, it, again, oh, it's like an hour on the monkeys at the end of a gear. Sure. No, but <laughs> we're talking about like, um, like the documentary approach to like whatever that, like the 15th century or whatever. You know, like wow, like the beginning yeah. of it. You know, just the flatness of the depiction oh, and the music. Like, you feel like you're there. Yeah, and but the yeah. music's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, oh, Casper Hauser. If we want to double dip on the Bruno, Casper Hauser. You know, Casper uh, you know, you know I, I, I didn't give Nosferatu a chance for a long time. But when I did Strosek, I was on a on a on a bender, a Herzog bender. Yeah. And, you know, Herzog's I mean, sorry, uh Nosferatu is pretty fucking great too. It you is. You know, and the way it's it dope. ends all those rats, like, whoa. Yeah, it's like, dope. what am I looking at? You know? And, so uh, uh fucking even Dwarf Started Small is also uh fucking pretty. Yeah, what the hell? Is that? Uh, and Fata Morgana. Yeah. Fata Morgana. Morgana is yes. yeah. it's really something. That's so. like heavy cosmic. You know what that is? That's a prog movie. It is. That's so like is Heart of Glass. True... Heart of Glass yeah, is prog too. Yeah. 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 He made sure. prog movies. He made it's, prog I mean, movies. It's so crazy too. That he, I feel like he's had a really good. It's like a second act to his career, which doesn't feel like a second act. It's just like yeah. he making movies when he's older, and people still flock to them and appreciate them in a way that like few people have. I guess Scorsese. There's a few others, but there's not. Well, he has a cult he has of like personality a, too. Right, but he just keeps he keeps getting his in his like notoriety keeps growing. It feels like yeah, because well, I think like, sort of like I think a meme fam- That's what I'm saying. A cult of personality, like like uh, I think he's on Family Guy. Like there's an impression of him, like, <laughs> you, know, like, you know, he's, yeah. he's at that level of like yeah. a Family Guy. Well, hey, you know, you know uh, I I don't mean to flex or anything, but you know, I definitely. Uh, one of the more just high moments of my own life, you know, was when, you know, we had, uh, w- when we had distributed the act of killing documentary, when I worked with, you know, mm. draft house, mm-hmm. uh, almost 10 years ago now, which is hard to believe. But when we released that movie, you know, that was executive produced by, you know, uh, by Werner and, you know, had a chance to, you know, on, on, a, on a few occasions sort of work with him and talk to him and man, just nice. an incredible dude, uh, fascinating, 
you know, in terms of, uh, and, and just one anecdote, we can end it here and talk about next month. But, uh, my favorite thing that, and I, I've heard him say this in interviews, but you know, he was, he was telling the table when we were all there sort of about his, um, approach to documentary and, and sort of about the idea of, you know, uh, truth in documentary and how, and how his idea of like, you know, a static truth is, you know, not necessarily about fact. It's about, you know, many, many other factors. And the way that he broke it down was if truth was the thing that you really were after, you know, that means the Manhattan phone book would be the book of books, you know, because it's, yeah, John Smith, here's his, here's, here's John Smith's address. him. Here's John Smith's phone number. But he's like, I'm paraphrasing, but like my approach to that shit is like, okay, what kind of nightmares does John Smith have? You know, like, you know, you know, whatever. What is, you know, and it's like, yes. So that, that, that really resonated with me. And I've, I've, I've Cindy Jones first thought when she woke up in the morning. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, that's really stuck with me all these years That's for awesome. that so all right, right well because it's still cindy johnston yeah but it's not it just is. like her address right. and phone number. right no god damn right. it that's so great yeah. total side note i did this dumb little thing he saw at a theater i did a little thing like a pre-movie little video edit and he said that's really great and he complimented me and that is maybe my favorite compliment i've ever gotten of the few i have had I mean, that just meant so much. It was just like a wave. That's awesome. Wah, oh, oh, you know? <laughs> so Herzog, man. I mean, he's Herzog. Herzog. Yeah, he's he, he's awesome. the man. He's the man. He's the man. The monster. He's the monster man. Um, all right. Speaking so of monsters. On. Yeah, speaking of be, monsters. Uh, it's going to be Fucktober. It is. It is. So we're doing a first new thing here. We're going to try it out. Uh, here on on one fucking hour, um, you know, sometimes it takes us one fucking hour to figure out what movie we're gonna do for the next week. But what we're gonna do yeah. is a little experiment here, um, where you know we got Halloween coming up, we got the month of October. Um, it's also our our one year anniversary, guys. Is like oh, here shit. one like, fucking anniversary, <laughs> one fucking anniversary. Have. This is it. So so we are we are in it. Um, so we thought wow. it would be fun, just given the fact that Amazing. it's the one-year anniversary and that October's coming up, Halloween, horror movies. Let's do. Uh, let's announce the next four titles, and they're all going to be, you know, horror movies, our sort of style of horror movie. Uh, and uh, we're going to announce the films that we're going to do for the next four weeks, so you guys can follow along, get a little more lead time into what they'll be, so you can pre-watch and follow along. So that's kind of the concept here. So. Let's go. Uh, I'm going to bring up the goddamn calendar here, so we can actually announce the the yeah. the, the dates. Obviously, subject to change unless you know any of our lives get in the way. But um, the first week of October, we're going to get, um, we're, which I guess, guys, is next week. We're going to start it off with. I'm very excited about this, uh, and this is topical, Tom, and you should talk about it. Our first October film we're going to do is one fucking hour on George A. Romero's Martin. So that'll That's be right. next week. Martin, the Martin Lawrence uh, show. Oh, I mean, uh, it's yeah. so bad. I'm sorry. I'm tired. <laughs> that was I wanted bad. to do uh, that joke. I was saving yeah. that joke for oh, the you episode, were? Tom. All right. Well, we'll 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 change it in post. <laughs> so it's a little topical. I'm not really keeping up, but a, there's a lot of furious action regarding Martin and the discovery of um, what I do know, which is that he had an original three-hour print version, a three-hour print a three-hour uh, iteration of the film that was all black and white, by the way. Insane. And it was, yeah, it was, it was like rumored to ha- be happening, to s- existed at some point, seen at some point. 
but it was dug up. I believe there's at least like a 16 millimeter, maybe not in great shape. I, I really don't have the details, but it was discovered and it will be eventually, you know, digitized beautifully and get on, on Blu-ray, probably have screenings. So we'll have a whole new uh, Martin soon envisioned by George. And I already really like Martin anyway. So Love it. Yeah. I'm curious, you know. So we're going to do that. That'll be next week's, uh, the first one we do for October. Second up, uh, special guest uh, special guest Ramey Bennett will be back on the show for week two, which is we're going to look at The Entity, okay? And uh, this film, if you're not familiar with it, uh, I think at some juncture 10 years ago or so, it's based on a true story, which we're going to get into. Uh, but it also... Yeah, I, need to hear, I need to hear more about that true story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of freaky yeah. shit. There's, there's a lot of freaky okay, lore. Okay with that film but also it's kind of infamous because i think around 10 years ago or so when martin scorsese was asked hey what are your uh what are the top 10 scariest films what are the top 10 scare what are your top 10 favorite horror movies it it actually made his list so uh that's kind of where it gets some notoriety there but yeah 1982's the entity we're going to get into that of course starring barbara hershey and then uh week three of uh uh, of fucktober one fucking tober is uh, gonna be <laughs> so bad. <laughs> That's great, terrible. Man. It's great. Uh, it's gonna Pulls be. <laughs> it does. It's gonna be <laughs> another another Tom banger. Uh, it's gonna be Ganja and Hess. Tom, got to do it. I've been a big fan forever, and uh, I have a scheme where a lot of the time I might just be talking about blood. Co- uh, yeah, blood couple. I might be uh, having a dual. Uh, hour with you guys and be talking more about this mutated bastardized version that wound up in theaters and on VHS and just the whole history. It's a remarkable film. Uh, I've been to the church. My my mom lives a block away from the church. The film is set in and I've been there. Wow. Know that. So yeah. No. So uh, yeah, it's a a lot of it shot in Nyack, you know? So um, uh, yeah, Ganjin has it's legendary, but let's really just sink our teeth into that. It's a full meal. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And then the fourth uh, film for October um, is going to be... See, I'm actually looking at the calendar, guys, and there is, oddly enough, October 31st, there is a fifth week uh, in October. So maybe you want to think about... Maybe you want to think about a fifth title, but for right now, we'll announce the first four yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, the, the the fourth one is a personal one for me. Uh, and I know, Tom, you also <laughs> love this movie. We got to expose Marcus I had a to moment. It. I had an intersection with uh, this film. Yeah. That I won't soon forget. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are going to be looking at the 1989, I think it's 89, a Canadian Canuxploitation uh, shot on Super 8 uh, DIY oh. back, backyard horror oh, film. Right. Okay, boys and girls, what's the keywords here? Because that's taking all the boxes for me. 1989, <laughs> Canada, Super 8, automatic one fucking hour. Okay, yeah, exactly. Uh, and the film is Things. It is called Things. Um, and I'm very excited about this. I actually released this movie on DVD at, at, at one point in my life. And Tom, you did the audio commentary track. So it's going to be a fun <laughs> trip down memory lane. Um, and, and we're going to have special guest Joey Izzo return to the show uh to uh you know because he has a huge that was an old favorite his he used to rent from the video store when he was a young kid so we're gonna talk about that and then uh yeah and then maybe some other little things will trickle along the way maybe a bonus episode maybe something else maybe something for week five stay tuned but those are the four guys so get your pre-watches in again 
Martin by George Romero, The Entity from 82, Ganja and Hess by Bill Gunn, and Things by Barry J. Gillis, the man who actually coined the term Toby Hoopy. Okay, that's why we call Toby Hooper Toby Hooper. <laughs> that's right. So uh, get ready oh for that. God. Yes. That's the level we're talking about here. That's the yeah. level. So it's that so, movie things. Yeah. So oh. there we go. Happy one fucking uh, anniversary to all of us. And uh, I guess we'll catch you next time. But before we let you go, everybody, we got to let you have that taste of that old moment of zen. All right, everybody, have a great rest of your week. And we'll see you next week with Martin. All right. Bye, everybody. This is it's me. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. That was wicked, man. <laughs>